0: Can I just say you are going to love this episode. I had the privilege of interviewing Naomi from the Lifestyle Edit, who is a marketing expert, international speaker, and business coach who works with creative female founders who want to make a living doing what they love. We had an incredible conversation about all things growing and scaling your business right from all the mindset strategies right through to the actual business strategies from uncovering all the data and analyzing your numbers to, to be able to make an empowering decision to move forward right out right to what's missing in your marketing copy that you could be making all the difference in your business right through to transformation and getting curious with failure and using empowering questions to actually support your up-leveling experience. It's an incredible, incredible conversation. Now, Naomi spent the majority of her career working as a fashion editor in national newspapers in London, where her true education really came from navigating the delicate balance between the storytelling of editorial right through to the commercial engine that made that actually possible. As a business strategist now, Naomi works with creatives to be able to empower them to find the clarity and the action steps necessary to be able to grow and scale their businesses. Her superpower lies in taking the product or service they have worked so hard to create and giving them the tools they need in order to stand out in a crowded market so they can find and work with their ideal clients. It is so much fun and we dive into so many different topics, so let's just jump straight in. The Next Level Life podcast is all about mindfulness, mindset, motivation, and conscious entrepreneurship. My name is Christine Corcoran, founder of Periscope Coaching, business and life strategy coach. Each week, I will bring you a new episode with a thought, insight, or interview with an inspiring thought leader or successful business owner to help you push past your fears, tap into your purpose, and inspire your soul. Ready to get started? Let's go.
1: Well, I would love to say good morning to you as it's good evening for me. Thank you so much for joining me today, Naomi. I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. It's so I'm so grateful for you to be able to set this time aside and to join us on, the, on this podcast and to really dive into everything that you've created with the Lifestyle Edit. And I'm so excited. I was so literally jumped on your website and looked at everything you're creating. And I'm just like, this chick, she's amazing. I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation. So just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about the Lifestyle Edit and how it all got started and where it's at now?
2: Yes. So the Lifestyle Edit is a destination for creative female entrepreneurs. So I am in the incredibly fortunate position to be able to support women, take something that they love and turn that into a scalable business. So we our whole mission of our business is how can we support creative female founders where they are so whether that is someone at the start of their journey who has created an incredible product or service and now needs to turn that into a viable model to women who are further along in their journeys and are really kind of want to put those systems in place in order to scale so we do that in a multitude of ways so the main way that we do that is through our coaching program so I work one-on-one with creative female founders. I also work in groups. We have a group coaching program. We have a mastermind that we're launching this year, which I'm really excited about. But we also do workshops. We do events. We do retreats. So we do supper clubs. So We are so passionate about connecting like-minded women, empowering them through knowledge, through our trainings, and all of the content that we produce through our podcast, through our website, through our interviews. Um, So yeah, we are all about showing women that you can create a living out of something that you love. Um, And you can do it in a way that feels aligned, that feels at ease, I'm really against this whole culture that I think that we're in at the moment that it's all about the hustle and the grind. So it's all about how can we scale in flow and with intention. Um, But it's funny because I started out in a completely different arena. So I was a fashion editor in newspapers for many years. Um, So I worked at consumer titles and in um, newspapers. And the idea for the Lifestyle Edit came because I was so fortunate to be able to interview incredible founders, men and women. And I would walk away from these interviews with hours upon hours of transcripts. And I'd come back to the office and it would always be limited down to they have a new collaboration or they have a new collection coming out next week, go and buy it. And I would have the most incredible conversations with these founders about, you know, how they've been able to scale their businesses and I just didn't have a place to put it. And I always knew that I wanted to start my own endeavor. I didn't know what it was at the time. And when I was kind of surveying the market, there wasn't a place that really spoke about entrepreneurship in a way that really resonated with me. So on one side, you had the kind of Forbes success ink magazines that felt very masculine and corporate to me. And then, on the other side, you had the consumer consumer women's titles that I'd worked at. That it's almost like career and entrepreneurship just wasn't even a thing.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and you have to remember this was like five years ago. So I really wanted to create a space that showcased these incredible women and women who were willing to talk about the totality of their experiences. So the highs, the lows, the opportunities, the challenges, the sliding doors moments, but also women who were willing to pay it forward. Because I think one of the exciting things right now is that we're talking about entrepreneurship more than we ever have done. But very often it's the inspiration part. It's I went from this to being this. What I'm really interested in is how did you do that? What were the steps in between? So with our podcast, with our content, I'm always looking for women who are accomplished and are doing amazing things, but are willing to really pay it forward and share the strategies. Strategies is like the kind of linchpin of everything that we do because we can have all of the amazing ideas that we want, it's the strategies and the, the, the tactics that are really going to help this turn an idea into something that's viable that we can really kind of live our best lives from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking my language for sure, like literally, that's literally how I talk. <laughs> and it's so funny, like I love bringing women together as well. It's something I'm so, so passionate about and I love how it's about doing something a little bit different and we don't have to be in the masculine all the time and constantly hustling we can enjoy ourselves at the same time and have those real conversations I love that you're bringing that out in people and understanding the nitty-gritty behind the
2: before and after shots definitely because I think it's so we were talking about this even before we started recording that I think very often we are duped into thinking that the secret to success is that magic strategy if I do that one thing that's going to be the thing that you know catapults everything but what I'm realizing the deeper that I get into this kind of entrepreneurship journey is that success is so much of it is an internal game right it's about doing all of that work that is what then makes the strategies work yeah
1: absolutely you've got to have that belief in yourself and you've got to have the mindset that's going to support that success and it's not just going to happen overnight
2: (laughs) exactly
1: tell me what what actually came first was did you start with events first did you start with a coaching program or what did you start with
2: first so originally we started off as a content platform as an editor that is my that is my baby like that's where I kind of that's totally my wheelhouse so we started off doing long-form interviews with founders um, and the wonderful thing about how the business is. Uh, evolved is that it's been completely community-led. So we started off with these long-form interviews, we photographed everyone that we that we talked to. Um, and again, I would end up with hours upon hours of transcripts because we were spending all this time with these women and people were like, why don't you turn it into a podcast? Like it would be so amazing to be able to hear the voices and be like in on that conversation. That's where the podcast started. Then it was our community saying, oh, well, you know, it's amazing. Like all of these women that you get to speak to and that you're putting in front of us. But I don't actually have a tribe of like-minded women myself. I just quit my corporate job. Nobody in my friends and family understand what I'm doing. Like, it would be amazing if you could host events. So that's where our I came from. Then we evolved into retreat. Then we evolved into my one-on-one because When we started the business, I actually transitioned. So we had our content platform, but we also had TLE Studio, which was a consulting limb to what we do. So we were working with fashion and lifestyle brands on 360 marketing strategies, essentially. So again, our community was seeing all of the work that we were doing for these big brands and were like, oh my God, these are the things that I need to be doing in my business. How can I help you? And that's how I made the transition from working with big brands in a done for you service capacity to working with my community, essentially one-on-one and in small groups.
0: Mm,
1: awesome. Awesome.
2: And what would you say your favorite part is now? What's the best part about your day? Oh my God. It's about the, the time that I spend with my clients. Like seeing these women transition from having these products or services and feeling so overwhelmed. Like many of us do, we start these businesses and we're like, you know, we think that the products or service, you know, if we make it, they'll all come <laughs> and yep. then they don't. Um, and all of the overwhelm and anxiety that comes along with that, seeing them transition from that to really stepping into their power, both financially, mindset oh my god that's why I do this for sure
1: absolutely oh
2: just love it so what would
1: you feel what's been one of your biggest challenges over the the last you know from the beginning of the lifestyle edit what would you say one of your biggest challenges has been
2: I think one of the biggest so there are two main things that come up so the first is surrendering and trusting the process i think as a type a self recovering type a personality it is and especially i think it's one it's something that a lot of us as women struggle with it's like more 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 you achieve this and you're kind of already onto the next thing and it's like you you end up feeling like you're constantly on this hamster wheel it's like more 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 and So being able to kind of step away from that has been a real process for me and just surrendering into the fact that what is meant for me will never pass me, right? I just have to make sure that I am the most high vibe um, aligned version of myself and trusting that everything will happen as it, as it's supposed to. And I have a caveat for that it's not that it's like okay trust the universe and just you know it's all going to be taken care of but it's about taking action from that aligned place rather than from a scarcity place like if i don't do this if i don't do this collaboration if i don't really instead instead of kind of feeling that external pressure going inwards and surrendering and being like what is my intuition saying and slowing down to be able to hear that that's definitely one thing and i guess Connected to that is learning that it's not about how hard you work. I think that's one of the biggest um, the biggest lessons that you learn as an entrepreneur. Like in your we're not rewarded just for working hard, right? Or how many hours we put in. It's all about results, right? Yeah. So it can take you 10 10 years to get to a point where you can deliver the same results at a 10th of the time, right? Um, So it's not just about efforting and pushing, it's about results. And I think that that was one of the ways that our corporate jobs did us a disservice because we'd get a salary, even if we, we weren't working hard, so long as you could kind of have a base, you know, it's, that's the whole point. We're rewarded for this whole idea, you work hard, you work hard, you work hard. You can, you can work hard as much as you want. You can work 14 hour days in a business. That doesn't mean you're gonna be successful and your business is gonna survive. It's about being really strategic um, and making the hours that you are working count. And I think, especially now, as I'm entering into a new season of my life, um, about to be a mom this summer, I'm learning that even more. That it's about actually, what am I doing with the time that I actually have? rather than feeling like this kind of, again, this scarcity mindset that I have to keep pushing and going all the time. So surrendering, allowing my team to be able to support me, all of those sorts of things. And like I said in the beginning, it's all mindset.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm now realizing so much more about why Lee connected us because it's like, <laughs> literally describing me. Like <laughs> it's all about the go, go, go and that struggle around the trust and surrender because it's not an easy process and it's almost like lessons on a daily basis that you go through to really trust that. So is there anything in particular that you do to really allow yourself to get back into alignment?
2: Yeah, so I'm all about... I ha- to really think like what makes me feel good, what are the things that make me feel the most high vibe? Because, especially for us as coaches, our whole business is based on client attraction. And whenever I have attracted my sole clients, is when I am operating at my most high vibe radiant energetic self um so i always used to think that it was again like the tactics the pushing it's like no i need to get into flow so i can take inspired action so getting into flow is all about what makes you feel good what is it What are the things that enable you to kind of operate at that high vibe state? So for me, that is carving time out in the morning for myself. It is listening to a podcast that feels really inspiring. It is. You know having that time to meditate and really set my day up in the right way it's taking that time before i've even spoken to anyone to have like my cup of tea and my unwinding time to have intentional time to journal and really remind myself of my why like it's you know having my essential oils next to me it's having my candles like that's what it looks like to me. For you, it may be completely different. The whole point is that what are the things that you need to have to, to get to that state? So I always say to my clients, it's be, do, have, who do you need to be in order to do, and then have what you're, what you're kind of looking for in your life. So it always starts with, um, getting yourself into that high vibration. Mm.
1: So I'm going to ask you, what is it that sets you out of, gets pushing you out of flow?
2: Overworking. Yeah. Yeah, it's overworking. And again, sometimes it's like I have to check in with myself. And, you know, there are times where I overwork and it's because I'm in a, that is a state of flow. And there are other times where it's like, no, you're pushing because you're coming from a place of scarcity right now you're getting into that, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough this, and I have to check myself and be like, where is this coming from? And really sit with that discomfort.
1: Mm. Mm, Interesting, yeah, totally. I'd love to know how you would define success for you.
2: Success for me means completely living on your own terms. So I say that because I don't think it's something that's static, right? The, what I thought success was when I first started my business was just being able to pay my bills, right? To, to replace my income. What success means to me now, is completely different. So I think that that's the whole point. It's the, our definition of success evolves as we do. So right now, success for me looks like um, making an impact. That was my word for 2018, and it's kind of spilled over to 2019. Really feeling like I'm doing work that feels fulfilling, that is enriching, that is enriching my life, but also enriching the lives of the women that I came to serve. Um, But also doing work that enables me to to manifest as myself across the board. So the way that I show up for friends, the way I'm able to show up for family, the way I'm able to, to show up and delve into interests that are outside of um, my business. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what success looks like for me right now. It's about being able to integrate all of the things that feel good for me right now, rather than it being just one thing.
1: Yeah
2: nice i like that
1: because it's, it's interesting because sometimes everyone has a different definition of success right it's funny how it just shapes our days and shapes what we try to achieve based on our success Inter- completely hmm.
2: i a couple of years ago i read danielle laporte's book um the desire map which i love and she has this exercise that's all about like how she she basically makes you walk through like your ideal day and how you want to feel. And it's such a small exercise, but I think we don't often give ourselves the time to really sit and reflect. Mm. And that's something that I do often, even when I'm just going into a new quarter, it's like, yeah, how do I want to feel? What feels like really expansive to me in my life right now? What feels really aligned? What feels really... F- flow what feels energy giving rather than energy zapping and like I said it's a constant evolution And I think it's really important for us to check in with ourselves often to make sure that what we're doing is still in alignment with that
1: absolutely absolutely it's all about alignment right like we it's it's so fascinating how you really do notice when you are out of alignment and sometimes it's like So far down, (laughs) you've gone out of alignment like three weeks ago, and you're like, What is going on? Why are things not working? until you realize, Okay, yeah, I'm totally not high vibe at all right now, (laughs)
2: completely. And I think also that's how you get into that comparison trap. You know, we all rely on things like social media for our business. So, you know, you're going on to post, and then you're seeing that this person's doing this and that and that, or this one is charging this much. You know, you're having conversations with other entrepreneurs if you are so grounded in where you need to be right now and what feels in alignment to you, it's so much easier for all of that to just completely like run off you. Yeah,
1: That's it. You just let it go and it doesn't even touch the sides. Like you just, yeah. Absolutely. So I would love to know, is there, when you think about your experience over the journey of the lifestyle edit, what would you say some of the lessons have been that you had to learn fast?
2: So one of them is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable (laughs) whenever growth is always going to be uncomfortable because our brains are wired to keep us safe. Growth is us doing something that's different, right? Mm And I love the book Playing Big by Tara Moa. It was like a complete game changer for me because she says that there are two different types of fear. There is that kind of fear where you're projecting onto the unknown, where it's like, oh my God, I'm gonna launch this, this program and nobody's gonna sign up, oh my God. And then there's this fear when you're like, that's expansive, when you're like stepping into that new unknown, right? We need to walk towards that fear. Right. So that's one of the biggest things of me is about getting and un- getting comfortable with being uncomfortable um, and proactively seeking out those opportunities for me to feel like that. Mm. Yeah. Feel fear and do it anyway. Hey, exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely been one of the big ones. Um, another one for me has been about really working through money mindset. I see that's probably hands down one of the biggest ways that I see a lot of young entrepreneurs really sabotage themselves is that they have so much baggage when it comes to money. Um, So that's definitely one of the areas that I've really had to work on over the course of my business. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned. And just this whole idea that it's not about you. It's always about the customer or the client. So start from the place of transformation. Um, Don't create products or services in a vacuum. That's another one. Another lesson I've learned is getting curious when it comes to failure. I think we're all so afraid. Oh my God, what if we do this and it doesn't work? Um, but now I'm all about testing and you know, I'm so open to trying something new. Like my whole identity is not wrapped up in it. I get super curious because it just means that I get to understand where my audience is right now. And we get so much data that we can then use to kind of optimize or, um, know iterate you know what we're doing in our business so just that lesson of treating getting curious with launching new things and remembering that you don't have to create something again in a vacuum with all bells and whistles start small put something out there see how it works if it works scale it up you don't have to you know spend three months trying to perfect something before putting it out there in the world you know Mm -hmm. some of our best launches you know whether that's courses or programs we have launched we've we've launched it before we even made it um and because of that they've resonated so well because our audience has been so involved with shaping whatever that product or program is
1: yeah, I love that because we can often get so sort of stuck in perfecting things before even getting anywhere near to launching and the curiosity aspect, I just love, I love that you've said that because I think it's something that we either fear putting it out there or we do it and then we avoid the lesson that we could have learned through it. Like it's like, oh, it failed. I'm just not even going to listen to what those lessons were and just almost like
2: it never happened and move on. Yeah. Totally, totally. And that's where like taking that time to take inventory in your business is really important. Um, And that's another thing that I've learned. It's all about being really focused on your one thing. I think the great thing now is that we have so many incredible resources on entrepreneurship, but it can end up leading to implementation paralysis right there's so much overwhelming stuff out there that you're like one minute the the strategy has to be pinterest then it's like oh i've got to build a list then it's i've got to do webinars then it's like i've got to do an online course because that's how everybody's making money and you end up not doing anything because you're so overwhelmed with what you're doing so i'm all about focusing on my one thing and really mastering that before I go on to the next thing. Like <laughs> I've, I've learned that the hard way and it's only natural in the beginning. You're trying to test, you know, you're in that stage, you're trying to throw as much against the wall to see if it will stick. And there's a, definitely a season for that. But I think as you want to grow, it really is about kind of being focused and then looking at the data. How can we optimize? How can we make this better before jumping on the next strategy? Mm. And if, do you find that's
1: really a constant thing that gets talked about when people are at that point of growing and scaling? Like they think it is the next thing. Like right? when actually, when you want to scale and grow, it's actually just about
2: redefining and focusing on what's working. Totally. And again, I think that comes from a fear a fear mindset. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you know, this thing hasn't really worked. So let me just try something new. Well, it's like, no, there are parts of it that work. Let's just work on refining the areas that aren't and get curious and ask why aren't they working. And let's actually read the data. Have you ever done that? <laughs> and see what we can do. And I see it all the time, especially with product-based businesses where they've launched a, a product line. And then they're not making sales from that. So they're like, okay, it's a product. I need to do something else. And it's like, well, no, you haven't done anything for marketing. Mm. Like, Again, just because you've made it doesn't mean they can't. And just now creating a whole new line isn't gonna solve the problem. What you're doing actually is you're scaling the problem. Mm. It's all about building those solid foundations. Get step the first product or service right and then scale up and then see okay what else can you offer that same customer mm-hmm. rather than going wide and seeing you know basically trying to do everything but the kitchen sink
1: yeah 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 double down on what is actually working or figure out what's not working because it's there's no point in launching anything new if something's out of whack right like it's interesting because I, I literally her client we were discovering this the other day that it wasn't actually her product which was her service package. It wasn't actually about that. It was just about her copy or like her marketing wasn't landing. Like it's, you know, understanding on how, what aspect you need to refine
2: and improve on before you scale, before you add another thing to your list of things that you do. Exactly. I think from that stage where you're zero to six stable, six figures, the biggest problem is sales, right? And what, Assuming that you've created a great product or service that people really need, the number one problem is marketing and sales. Like, you shouldn't even be focusing on anything else. Like, until that product or service has got to a point where it's selling, it's doing what it needs to do, then you have a sales and a marketing problem. And I think one of the best things, the biggest things that I've learned is that nobody knows how good your product or service is until they've bought it which basically means that the best marketer wins. Yeah, true. So it's so, so you may have created the bee's knees of whatever. If you can't communicate it in a way that that shows that value to the people that you're trying to serve, you don't have a business.
1: Right, and that's something that's really hard to hear.
2: <laughs> Some people, it's
1: like, seriously. But it's funny though with create, so many creatives that we we really do focus on what we do, what we do well and what we love about what we do and the business side becomes so difficult and it's like the sales and marketing, it's almost like we have such negative beliefs about it or um, negative experiences from the past where we've just been either sold to and been ripped off or had, you know, thought we were buying something that when we got it, it actually wasn't what it was and then we go into our own business going, well, I hate marketing or I hate sales and that kind of sets us up to buy a lot from the beginning.
2: Yeah, this is one of the things that I work with a lot of my clients on, and it's like, actually, I would be really excited because I know we've all had those bad experiences, so I feel really empowered because I'm like, I know exactly what not to do. Yeah. So what would have made that a great experience for me? Right? And also, if you've created a product or service that you know is gonna enrich the lives of the people that you want to serve, it's your responsibility to get it in front of them. Yeah. Right? If you've created something that you believe in, like, I'm like, where do I start? Now, all I need to focus on is, like, talking to people and telling them how this is going to help their lives. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right? A- but I think... <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's all about. And I think it's because of the first thing I was saying that people create products or services in a vacuum. Oh, well, I want this, or no. And then they create prices that they pluck out of thin air because they've just gone on somebody else's website and seen what they're charging. So the the product and the price is out of integrity. Whereas I'm always urging people to be like, okay, what are the urgent, compelling desires of your people? How does this product or service get them there? How is this the vehicle for the transformation that they're trying to get to, right? Mm -hmm. The more you can articulate that, your ideal client will find the money because it's an urgent and compelling desire for them to get that transformation. That's why I know it's not sexy, but that foundational part is so important. That's why you can feel comfortable of, pitching and telling people about what you do in a way that feels really high vibe and not icky because you know that you've created something that's really going to lead to a transformation for them
1: that's it and being able to let go of any other thoughts and beliefs about the sales and marketing and just know that that's the solution like that's a, the best news ever when it's like okay cool you've got a great product let's just fix what's going on with your marketing let's just fix what's going on with your sales and then you'll be sorted like it's it should be good news for sure
2: yeah and when you feel like oh my god you know with sales I'm taking away from someone I'm taking their money it's like don't project your limited money beliefs onto your customers again it's the mindset thing right we're like oh my god that's too much you know it's your, you're projecting your limited beliefs around money onto your clients and you know this whole idea that sales is icky you're selling people stuff that they don't want that's not sales that's called fraud
1: yeah <laughs> so true <laughs> but it's yeah. like a judgment as well like it's, i always use the um experience so once i was in uh new york a friend of mine um i was going we were going to chanel to buy a handbag like my friend had saved up her whole life savings to buy a chanel handbag and we walked into chanel and the service was horrendous they looked at us like we had no money it was just like mm. the worst experience ever. And she was spending like, and I think it was like $5,000 uh, on a handbag. And she was w- wanting this beautiful experience to purchase it. And she had the money. It wasn't about the money, but she was being completely judged on being a tourist or being for whatever perception we had walked in on, was being completely judged on what she could or could, or, could, or could not afford. And it's like I, we're doing the same thing to our clients if we're expecting them to not be able to afford our services. And it's like, well, how do you want your clients to feel through that experience? And why take away that joy of spending your money where you want to spend it? Exactly. Mm. Oh, I love that. All about money mindset, right? Yeah. Has there been any major money release that you can have been able to shift over the experience of your journey?
2: I think it's all of the above. Everything that we've been talking about, um, everything that I work through my clients on, I've been there. <laughs> I've I've totally been there, and like I said, it's about um, we. It's about the empowering questions that we ask. So when these things happen, I'm always asking myself, okay, what can I learn from this, or what work do I need to do around this area? Um, and it's not something that ends. Every time we up, upscale our business, um, we make more money. We go through that ceiling. We um, start to achieve things that we never thought that we'd be able to achieve or things that our family isn't, you know, ever been able to do. Like we're always going to come across this stuff. It's not a kind of, okay, once I'm here, then that the work ends. It's a continual, it's a continual process, but I, that's the part of it that I love. I feel like entrepreneurship is like such a journey, like self-development. It's so funny. Um, but it is, I feel like, you know you have to up level as your business is up leveling
1: Mm, for sure for sure and i would love to know like we've talked heaps about mindset i'd love to get a little bit of strategy now is there any key thing key strategies that you put into place in the last say two years that have worked really well for you
2: yes so One of the things that has worked really well for me is all about focusing on nurturing the people that are in my ecosystem. I think we are often focusing on, you know, follow account, email list count, and of course those things are important. I'm always trying to think about how we can grow our list and do all of that, but I think very often People, you know, could be struggling with sales um, and are constantly thinking about client acquisition rather than thinking about what am I doing with the people who are already there? So I give you an example. We just opened the doors to our mastermind and we had 10 founding member places that had all of these incredible bonuses and we sold out of that in three days. And that was all to people already within our ecosystem. Whenever we launch anything, whether that is a retreat, um, a new course, it's already it's the people that are, have already been in our ecosystem that we convert the highest with. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that it's not about constantly focusing on client acquisition and. It's about how are you really loving up on the people that are already in your ecosystem. So whether that is past clients, current clients, um, whether that's paid people, non paid people, people that are just on your email list, but have never bought from you before. How are you going over and above to give them value? How are you recognizing that, yeah, they've, they've taken that step to give you their email list, they're following you. How are you making sure that you are giving value that aids them in the transformation that you are trying, that they're trying to achieve? Um, whenever you focus on those really warm leads and making them warm, you never have to be in that feast to famine because people will be excited about the prospect of working with you.
1: Mm, absolutely, absolutely. We were talking earlier about the different ways that we communicate with your audience or with your following count. Is there any strategies that you have in place in regards to where you focus your energy? Because there's so many different platforms and there's so many different ways for you to communicate, and you've got your, obviously your events and you know all, all everything going on. Is there any type of strategy you have in place for where you spend your your focus?
2: Yeah. So again, we are always looking at the data and when we were doing this at the end of last year, we noticed that the majority of our leads, um, the more, where we're looking at where the majority of our leads came from and where our audience spent the most time. And we discovered that that was Instagram, Pinterest and our email list. So instead of feeling like we need to be going all in on Twitter, we need to be on Facebook, we need to be doing all of this, I'm all about again. How can we go deep instead of going wide? Um, so we will go deep into those different areas. So, for example, one of the things that we've been focusing on for Q1 of this year was really about getting really sophisticated with our email list. So, with our welcome sequence, for example, we now have a six months nurture sequence. Wow. Yeah, a six-month nurture sequence that is all about, we're really thinking, how can we deliver on that value to people that have just encountered us for the the first time? How can we really take them on a value journey that really helps them um, with the transformations that they're looking for? And... Make sure that they are aware of the different things that we offer that can really help them get there um, So we have these really elaborate email sequences. that really kind of nurtures them retargets really them um, And segments them so that we're only delivering relevant information to the right people at any given time So, you know, even with my mastermind launch only a fraction of our list will be hearing about that, right? if we're doing a an event that's on a specific area again we spend so much time segmenting that we're not just blitzing out our whole list um so we're really working in our email list about different funnels and how what is the back end journey depending on how people have kind of come into our ecosystem how can we encourage more engagement how can we um learn from what people are saying how can we encourage them to be clicking reply and kind of responding to us so that we can use that to make an even richer kind of experience so we're all about looking at the data and making sure that we're doubling down on the things that are working rather than spreading our resources across 101 different things Mm. so really this year for us has been all about streamlining especially as I'm preparing to have a baby this summer I'm just like let's master a few things rather than feeling this pressure to be everywhere Mm.
0: and I'd love for you to share how you're preparing your business for when the baby comes
2: yeah so yeah streamlining has been the number one thing for us as a business this year and definitely um preparing for the birth of my son has really helped that um again with our product offerings really looking at you know from a pure practical perspective what which ones are the most profitable which ones can we streamline the most which ones are we getting the most transformations for our clients for and really stripping back so we have a core offering so we have Uh, one-on-one we have my VIP days and we have our mastermind so this year I'm not doing any events no retreats nothing it's about how can we make those packages the most world-class for their category right that's not just in terms of the content I'm delivering but again that experience from the time that someone enters our ecosystems and books a call with me to them ending their, their time to our time together. What does that journey look like? And how can we make that the richest experience possible, but also how can we make it really narrow down our workflow? So we're making sure that different members of my team can really own parts of that process. Um, and that we're using automation and software to make that as streamlined and easy as possible. Um, Anything that we're doing as a team, repetitively, we're always thinking, what software can we use that can automate this? And I think that we often get, you know, bulk when we hear about automation, because it feels like, oh, it's not really personalized. That six month welcome sequence that I have was like years of work and content and strategy and whatever that was put into an automated sequence. Just because it's automated doesn't mean that it's not valuable and heavily curated. So we're always thinking about, yes, how can we streamline the process and make it as efficient? but enriching as possible so we're just really working on all of the back end side of things and again going back to my point one of the biggest things that i've learned is that it's not just about working hard it's about working smart so i'm probably working the least hours i ever have in my business but my revenue is actually growing constantly because we have these systems in place and it's funny as i am like getting ready for birth time You know, people automatically ask you like, oh, how long are you taking off? Um, And I'm taking six weeks off and people are like, oh, my God. And there's all of these like assumptions that come along with it. Oh, my God. You know, she doesn't even want to take time off to be with her kid. Oh, you know, I took six months off. I took nine months off. And my whole point is that, again, success is that my business serves the life that I want to lead. Right. I want to be a present parent. My business needs to support that. So for me, it's not a case of balance where it's like now I'm in business mode. Now I'm in mama mode or now I'm in family mode. It's all about integration. So I've been working really hard on making sure that I have a business that facilitates me to be the type of mother, daughter, friend, human being that I want to. So I don't have to take time off in order to be good at those other areas. My business has the systems, has the infrastructure in place. That means that I can embrace any season of life that I'm in without it being a choice between the two.
1: Mm. And that's so powerful because honestly, sometimes when we think about becoming a mother and they don't necessarily have to choose one over the other for the next seven, eight years of your life. Like it's, yeah, it's beautiful that you're doing that.
2: Yeah. And it's like, we, we put ourselves, we guilt chip ourselves so much. I was talking to a client the other day and she has a consulting business and we'll talk, we're again, working with her and getting all of the systems in place. And she has an incredible team that can do this with their eyes closed, but she still wants to be the doer. <laughs> But again, she has a young son is under a year old and I'm like You can see right that you are the bottleneck in the growth of your business, right? You have incredible people that can deliver this service. It doesn't have to be you and by you making it about you You're not allowing your team to really grow and really step into their power and like really show what they can do and you're limiting the amount of people that you can serve because there's only so many hours that you have in the day. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't, if anyone listening hasn't read the book, um, the E myth by Michael Gerber, I definitely recommend it. Cause he says that, he says that that's one of the reasons why a lot of small businesses fail. He says we have three personalities. We have the technician, the manager and the entrepreneur. The technician is the doer, the manager is the processes, person the entrepreneur is the visionary i as founders especially when you get to a certain point in your business you're not going to be able to grow if you're constantly in the doing mode yeah and again it's about surrendering to be like yes i like this part but there are so many people that can do it as well if not better than me mm. and it's when we step into that role and we are thinking okay how can i make the biggest contribution of my bit to my business that stage is so exciting because that's when you're like, I'm actually going to do four hours of really focused time and enable the incredible team and support structure that I've built to really go and implement that so that I have that space to also to live, but to also be creative and have ideas. Um, so because I was doing a lot of that work even before baby, it's made that transition now, um, an easier one for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that because so many creatives we go into our businesses to. It's almost like we buy ourselves a job. Like you go in, yeah. And it's literally like, well, I don't want to work for anybody else anymore, and then you end up end up working for yourself, and you do become that bottleneck for sure. And I love that having that vision to be able to take that step back and notice: Are you just literally being the technician and literally just doing the do all the time, or are you having that bigger vision and taking a step back to go, hey? what does my business need outside of me and letting that, you know, disconnection happen so you can move forward and grow.
2: Totally. And Seth Godin said it like perfectly. And he, he, it was on a podcast that he did and I think it was called startup school. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. And he said that the difference between a freelancer and an entrepreneur is that a freelancer gets paid in exchange for work they've done. An entrepreneur creates an asset that makes money without them.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's not that one is better than the other, but we need to be very crystal clear about which one we want. And I think very often because we create businesses often doing the tasks that we used to do in our corporate jobs. So like you're a writer in your corporate job and then you start a business. that's all about content. You, re- you, you realize that actually you're frustrated because all you want to do is write. <laughs> That's a freelancer. You get paid for doing that specific thing. As an entrepreneur, that is like a tiny fraction of all the things that need to be done. Yeah, absolutely. So it's that, tran- it's that transition. So in order to be able to create this business that generates money, even when you're not working, you can't just be in the state of doer. It's a completely different commitment. Absolutely. Not better, not worse, but different.
1: Is there any other any other key things that you find that you'll have entrepreneurs come to you with at that stage of wanting to grow and scale that you feel that they either avoid or really struggle with that you help them with?
2: Um, a lot of it um, boils down to um, the numbers that... They they've just never even they've never even looked at the numbers. So they don't know like, am I profitable? What's my profit margin? So when we even talk about, you know, what are your revenue goals? They haven't got a clue. Or it's just I wanna make six figures. But why? You know, there's just no there's no they're so afraid of the numbers that it it becomes really hard and that's why they you know they're kind of shooting in the dark um, and very often once you start uncovering all of that you feel so empowered even if you're not in the place that you want to be but you're like okay now i know what i need to be doing in order to get to that place mm. right yeah. um so very often it's about the numbers the then it, the other thing is always about the communication side. It's about how they can really connect with people on a deeper level, because we all are operating in crowded markets. You know, there are, there are thousands of coaches, there are thousands of brands, brands and, you know, it's not that the, what we're doing is particularly new. It's about, so that's why it's so important for us to narrow down on what makes us us right? Who, all of the little idiosyncrasies of, of us and the way that we run our business, you know, we can teach strategies that other coaches teach, but it's the way that we do that and really narrowing down on that secret source So you can call in your, your people, because very often I will encounter people who, feel like they're looking at their current client roster and they feel really depleted these exchanges are very energy draining rather than energy giving but it's because they haven't really done the work to to think about what their brand values are what are your i believe statements what are the things that you believe that go against the grain of your industry they've never done that work so that messaging is not being infiltrated into their marketing Mm. Which means then one that they they become a commodity. So when they are on a sales converse, having a sales conversation, it becomes a question of price because you haven't given your customer a way to differentiate you from the next person. Um, and then they end up having these clients then that now that they've argued about price. Um, well, this doesn't feel in alignment with them at all, but it's because they haven't really narrowed down on their values. And what is so exciting for me about the work that I do is that every time I look at my calendar and I see one of my clients' names there, I'm so excited because there is, yeah, we're, we're talking about, a lot of the things that other people do, but it's about the way that I teach it. And that was the reason why they decided to work with me. So there is just this beautiful synergy and alignment. Um so really narrowing down on their message is one of the ways that I'm I'm constantly working with clients. And once you do that, like I said, you move from being a commodity to somebody saying, Yes, I could learn about, you know, funnels from somebody else but i want you to be the person that teaches me it
1: Mm, so good and even like narrowing down their niche as well like i always find that they they go through different stages in the evolution of your business and then it's like well when was the last time you actually redefined your niche or your niche depending on (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah absolutely so i would love to know is there anything that you feel that you've learned about yourself over the journey of the lifestyle edit
2: Oh my God, where would, where do we even begin? I would be here forever. Um, Everything about entrepreneurship is like a mirror to your mirror to yourself and I'm constantly learning things. And I think that's the whole point. Our lives, our businesses are all a reflection of the internal. It's a mirror. So if you are not where you want to be, if you are not working with the clients that you want, if you are not having the level of financial abundance in your life, it's all a reflection of what's going on internally. Um, so I am constantly learning. And like I said, when I have those areas in my business, that feels out of whack with, with where I want things to be. I'm always asking myself, okay, what's going on? What's the work that I need to do here? What do I, I What do I need to sit and work through? Um, so yeah, I am constantly learning. And that's why I really believe that the work that I'm doing with my business has actually made me a better person in my relationships, completely outside of my business, because it really requires you to do that, to get introspective and do that internal work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I think one of the things that I've really realized is that I can literally do anything that I set my mind to. Um, Every time where I have, it just, it's so incredible when you realize that you're doing the things today that you were so scared of last year. Yeah, totally. And that's the most empowering thing. So when I come across that new thing, I'm like the Naomi of next year in 10 years time will so thank me for what I'm doing right now.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Love that. That's so cool. So what are you excited for next? Other than obviously baby.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So yes, of course, having my son, of course. Um, But no, outside of baby, um, I'm so excited about our mastermind Thrive. I really wanted to take all of the lessons that I've learned being part of masterminds of myself, and myself and really bringing them into this mastermind and creating a space that really feels like an opportunity to connect with peers. Cause I think we've all been in that space where, you know, you're, you're going out for coffee, you're networking with people, but it doesn't always feel like you, you, it's a, you know, it's a balanced exchange, yeah. right? Um, so I think so many of us are craving An opportunity for us to be able to actually learn from others. And I have been able to witness how transformative that's been in my business to be surrounded by high level thinkers um, who are always looking for solutions, who, even when they're going through challenges, I've already started to question, okay, what are the breakthroughs that are coming through to me right now that I can actually share with the other women in the group that's going to help them have this, you know, similar types of breakthroughs. Um, so I'm just so excited to be able to bring all of that into our thrive 12 month mastermind and just connect these incredible women, um, So yeah, I'm excited for the breakthroughs. I'm excited for the connections that are gonna happen and just the opportunity to go deep with a handful of women for a a solid period of time because I think real change happens when we have that consistent support. Mm. Um, It's not always just about these kind of quick fixes. So to be able to have these women um, for 12 months and really work month after month on kind of getting them to where they want to go it's just oh i'm just so excited
1: oh it's gonna be phenomenal for sure yeah. like like i love that where he talks about you know there's only so much we think we can achieve in a certain period of time and we overestimate what we can achieve in a short period of time to what we can in a long period of time like you know you love that big program and have a certain amount
2: of breakthroughs but a year like that's going to be phenomenal for sure completely even in my mastermind we do um these hot seats and people will kind of give you feedback and it could be like three months later that I'm like yeah that point yeah now I'm ready to like really execute on that right um and just having that constant accountability like it blows my mind like the women in my group where we'll be having a group call and by the next call like they've implemented it. There's no drama. They're like, they've done it. And seeing, being around people that have such high standards for themselves forces you to have the same.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. I literally have a small group of friends that we do the same thing. Like we get together once every three months and we do a full day and we hot seat each other and support each other's business. Love it. Just, it's so key. And it's just, does actually catapult your results for sure. Love it. Oh, am so excited for that. It's just, yeah, amazing. Um, before I let you go, I would love to know who has been one of your favorite guests on your podcast?
2: Oh my God. That's like picking between children.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
2: Maybe just one of your favorite stories or... Okay. One of my favorites it's a recent one actually has been with um, a woman called Chris Britton she has a podcast called the goddess boss podcast and I absolutely love her. And it was such an incredible conversation because she's built this phenomenal multiple six figure business, but she's done it from a place of flow and I'm, as you can tell, I've just been waxing lyrical about all things mindset. I'm so inspired by people who are living examples of the fact that you can live such rich, financially abundant lives without having to compromise. So her whole thing is about, yeah, how can we bring more of the feminine into the way that we approach our work? How can we move from scarcity? How can we have launches and have big goals and launch new things in our business without going into that kind of fear mindset. Um, so I love that because like I said, I, I think that we are all, it's so tempting to kind of look for this new magic bullet strategy. Um, but it all has to feel good while we're doing it, right. It's about the, the journey and not the destination. Cause as we know, you get to that stage and then there's another stage and there are new challenges. So it's like how I'm really interested in talking to people that have managed to, to balance, you know, having, being really ambitious and having all of these incredible goals, but doing it in a way that feels good. No, you, None of us want to look back and say, okay, I've reached this level of success in my business, but the last 10 years is a blur. Yeah, or oh, I hate it every minute. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or look at what I had to sacrifice in order to do that. Mm. So anyone that's kind of going against this rhetoric of push, 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 more, 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 I'm all about. So loved that that episode.
1: Amazing, amazing. Is there any other interesting lessons you've had through the through the podcast?
2: Yeah, I feel like I like very selfishly, like I'm getting an MBA in business. I get to like ask people things that I would always want to yes. want to find out um and some things that are that relate to my business as somebody who is growing a bootstrapped kind of organic intentional business and also I love having conversations with entrepreneurs that are all about kind of scaling really quickly getting lots of vc capital um and I'm really curious about what that looks like too um so yeah I just really that's a journalist journalists in me that I just love having these conversations and seeing how these different women are creating businesses on their own terms Mm. and you know how we can kind of learn from from what they're doing yeah that's the best part about the podcast right you get the best of both worlds you can dive into whatever you want to go down love it love it and that's why I'm quite similar to you I never have this kind of preset questions because I just love how these